All right, we're going to be taking a look at 1 Corinthians 4 again. Um, this is a dad's message. I've done a lot more mom's messages over the years, and I feel like you brothers have been neglected a little bit for a while. So we're going to dive in. But I want to go back, because as we've been going through the uh, book of Corinthians, this passage of Scripture really hit me. You know, uh, we, we recently went through this, but I want to revisit and just dive in a little deeper to 1 Corinthians 4 with you guys. Let's jump down to verse 14. 15 and 16 is where we're going to do a deep dive this morning. Paul writes here, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have been begotten, or I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. So in this morning's text here, guys, this really describes Paul's feelings for these believers in the church of Corinth. He considers them these spiritual children, his kids in Christ, and Paul loves these Christians like a father loves his children. He says, hey, these Corinthians, you guys have 10,000 teachers, but you only have one spiritual father, which, you, which is Paul here. So certainly the apostle's intent is not um, here to preach a Father's Day message, but his words really provide, I think, a portrait of a father's heart. His approach to the church really should be the approach of fathers towards their kids. Over a lifetime, a person might have many teachers, but if they have a good father, they're truly blessed. I believe that's one of the biggest blessings that we can have in this life. There's a so social commentator by the name of David uh, Blakenhorn, and he writes about life in this new millennium, and he said this, fatherlessness is the most destructive trend in our generation. And I agree with that, okay? Out on the table, I've been talking with the Wisconsin Family Council. They're doing some really neat things uh, in our state. And they got a little bulletin insert for June that I got on the table out there. And I want you dads to grab that on your way out. But they really spoke about the danger of fatherlessness today and just how important dads are, uh, which is really good. But today, guys, there's nearly 20 million children that live in fatherless homes. That's a lot of kids. More specifically, 23.6, nearly a quarter of all kids live a life where dad is absent. And the results, guys, we see it. It's devastating and it's very far-reaching. Fatherlessness <coughs> or fatherless children, we're told, are six times more likely to live below poverty, uh, the poverty line, than kids that come from a home where dad is present. There's some 43% of state prison inmates that they grew up in fatherless homes. Young ladies living without fathers are twice as likely to become pregnant when they're a teenager. Children in fatherless families are more vulnerable to the ills of dropping out of school, of joblessness, of drug addiction, suicide, mental um, illness, sexual abuse, and the list goes on. And we realize, guys, that fatherless homes are not just homes without fathers. Just as because, you know, your kids 
have a same address and they live under a same roof, it doesn't mean that they aren't living in a fatherless situation. There's an author by the name of C.R. Snyder. He provides an illustration that really kind of hammers home this point, and I liked it, so I'm going to share it with you guys. <laughs> he talks about two parents that he was able to observe when he was on different plane flights. Um, the first, there was a Jenny and her dad. Uh, Snyder figured that Jenny to be about three years of age, and it was her first time on an airplane, and dad was excited about it as much as she was. He explained to Jenny that the loud noise during the takeoff comes from the engines, and as the force pushed them back in their seats, Dad whispered, Honey, I'll hold your hand. Once they were airborne, Jenny and Dad chatted the whole trip. He even took her uh, on a stroll around the cabin, pointed, pointed out the different things, items of interest, and when the plan began to descend, Jenny got scared, and her daddy comforted her with a big hug and explained what was happening. It was obvious that she trusted her dad wholeheartedly. But then Snyder tells another story of another flight that he was on with a different parent and a different child. Teddy was also three years old, and after dad buckled him into the seatbelt, he ordered him, now sit here and be quiet. Daddy's going to go to sleep. And sleep he did for the whole trip. At times, the little boy was noticeably frightened, but his dad was oblivious to his fears. He ignored his child's thoughts and needs and questions. No words, no touches were exchanged. In a real sense, Teddy was flying alone. Dad, just because you sit in a seat next to your kid at breakfast or sleep in a room down the hall, it doesn't mean they are growing up in a father, <clears throat> it doesn't mean that they aren't growing up in a fatherless situation. I think about how many kids are flying solo today. That having been said, guys, I want to assure you the goal here isn't to bash dads today. My heart, my desire is I want to encourage each and every father today. Um, so I hope we're encouraged as we consider this passage here. You see, the fact is, guys, dads can get better in our fathering skills. How many of you guys would say, yeah, I can grow. I got room to, yeah, I got two hands for that. <laughs> always room to grow, okay? We always have place to get more involved in our children's lives, trying to be a good dad. And that really needs to be commended, okay? Dads today need to be support, supported, need to be built up, not condemned. A USA Today survey of men showed that 71% agreed that the job of being a father is more difficult today than it was a generation ago. Also in that study, 72% of those men felt that they were doing worse and no better at the task than their dad did. That's a tough admission for a male's ego by the way. So if we take a pulse on men today, you'll discover that fatherhood really is characterized by frustration and failure. So dads, let me be the first to admit we all make mistakes. There's no perfect dads. We forget that Charles Ingalls and Cliff Huxtable, they were both myth, okay? There's one perfect dad, and that's God, okay? That's the only one. 
So it's easy for a father <clears throat> to father a child, but it takes a lot of wisdom and effort to be a father. Perhaps you, th perhaps you thought a dad's job was to help his kids grow up, but equally so, it's the children who often cause dads to grow up. Amen? All right. So just, as, just in time for Father's Day, um, I've got a top 10 list that I found that really kind of proves my point, and you guys will like this because I laughed pretty good when I read it. <laughs> the top 10 things I learned from my kids that I didn't really want to know is what it was called. Number 10 is this, a screaming four-year-old, their voice is louder than 200 adults in a crowded restaurant. Number nine is when you throw a baseball into a, a spinning ceiling fan, the blades can hit the ball a long way and genera generate enough force to break a window. Number eight is when you hear the toilet flush, followed by, uh-oh, it's already too late. Number seven, <laughs> I like this one, Legos pass through the digestive tract of a three-year-old. <laughs> Number six, the words Play-Doh and microwave should never be used in the same sentence. Number five, old MacGyver reruns. How many of you guys remember that show, right? Can teach a child many things he doesn't need to know. Number four, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches should never be stuffed in a person's back pocket. Number three, rocks and gas tank will make lots of noise. Number two, the spin cycle on a washing machine does not make earthworms dizzy. It does make cats dizzy, and a dizzy cat will throw up twice as much of its body weight. And number one, quiet doesn't necessarily mean everything's okay. I liked those. So fathers, we can learn from our kids, okay? In much, uh, if <laughs> not more than what uh, they learn from us. So at times, guys, a dad wonders if he's doing his kids any good. But dad, don't underestimate the impact you're having in your child's life. Even if a father has faults, okay, it's still crucial in a child's success for dad to be present to be there. In my senior year of high school, there was a U.S. news uh, cover story that said, why dads count, okay? And it opened up with a very bold thesis. It said this, dad is destiny. More than virtually any other factor, factor a biological father's presence in a family will determine a child's success and happiness. And it goes on to say, rich or poor, black or white, uh, the children of divorce or those born outside marriage struggle through life at a measurable disadvantage. So there's a lot of studies that speak to this truth. There's important. God has designed family. You guys understand this? Dad, mom, there's a purpose there. It kind of reminds me of the biblical example that we have of the sons of Korah, okay? They wrote a lot of the Psalms. In Psalm 44, right, it opens with, We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what deeds you did in their days. So these sons, what are they doing? They're glorifying God because their fathers left them a legacy of faith. 
And brothers in Christ, this is the most important thing that we can do in our lives. So dad, your children, they're trying to watch this parade that we call life. And they're just little guys, okay? They're small and they're short. They can't see over the temptations, the distractions, the contradictions of this life. So the only way they can really see it, okay, the hand of God at work, the plan of God in action is for you to stand tall in your faith and have them on your shoulders. So make no mistake about it. Nobody can take the place of a man a child calls dad. And as Paul says to the Corinthians, for though you might have 10,000 instructors, yet you do not have many fathers. So if your dad realizes that you occupy a very strategic place in your child's life. Other men might influence. We have coaches in life. We have friends, bosses, mentors, role models. But none will come close to impacting your kids the way you will. There's another writer, author, who writes, When a child is born, a father is born. The delivery doctor holds up something roughly the size of a loaf of bread for him to see for the first time. Even if he abandons it forever, ten minutes later, the memory will nag him to the grave. He has seen the creation of the world. It has a mark upon it and has its mark upon him. Both marks are, for better or worse, indelible. You see, father and child are permanently connected. A father has an important position on the team. And there's nobody on the bench totally capable of taking his place. A dad is more needed than he knows. And a dad is needed more than what's, you know, commonly expected. Okay? I found the following list of some duties for a school dad, sport dads, Music dads, do we have any of those dads in the house? It was kind of cool, they all agreed on these, okay? Here's the duties, these dad duties, okay? Pay, clap, drive. <laughs> for, for a school dad, a sports dad, a music dad, okay? But they're all the same, pay, clap, drive. And I would let add into there being a karate dad. It's kind of like pay, drive, pay, drive, pay, drive, clap, pay, Anyways, you need a car, you need money, you need enthusiasm, and then you need more money, right? But Paul, what is he talking about here? What matters here? Well, this analogy that Paul's laying out in 1 Corinthians 4 for us really deals with a different set of duties. He's concerned about what we provide our kids spiritually how Paul cared for the Corinthians is really how God cares for his kids. So here Paul reveals the four duties of a godly dad. First of all, foremost, most importantly, <laughs> love them. Well, thanks, Captain Pastor Obvious. <laughs> but that's it, isn't it? What do our kids need more than anything? My dad loves me. That is huge, right? Did you guys catch what Paul says here? 
He refers to them as my beloved children. I think that's pretty cool. So you could say it really warms them with love. So that's the first thing. Second thing is he, war- he warns them. He loves them enough to confront them with truth and needed correction. So that's the second thing that we see in a godly dad. The third thing we're going to see, guys, is Paul wants good things for these believers who are in Corinth. He tells them in verse 16, I urge you. So he's motivating them to be all that God has called them to be. And then the fourth thing, he provides an example. He walks before them. He exhorts them as spiritual kids. He says, mimic what I do, become what I am. I urge you to imitate me. So the fourth, the four duties here of a dad, he warms his children with love. He warns them with sound advice. He wants God's best for them and urges them on, and he walks before them as an example to imitate. You guys see that here? I think that's pretty cool. So a good dad warms, warns, wants, and walks. Okay? So there was a fourth grade class. They were asked to write a paper on their hero. One little boy wrote about his dad. And when he took his paper home, his father was so proud that he was his little guy's hero. But when the father asked his son why he picked him, the little guy answered and said, because I can't spell Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) So dad, if you warm them, if you warn them, if you want for them, if you walk before them, I promise you that one day you will be your kid's hero. The first duty of a dad is to warm his kids with love. Now, if you're father of an infant, you're probably thinking, Landon, you got to be kidding me. This is elementary. Of course, we love our kids. A father needs to be told to love his kids. That's just common sense, right? Uh, Of course, I'm going to love my kid. And you'll go home, and your little baby, you're going to hear her coo. You're going to cuddle with him, and your love is going to grow. That's just the way it goes, right? Um, but just wait till that little precious baby logs in a few years and starts turning up the noise and spewing back talk, right? How many of you guys have heard of the ter- terrible twos? There's a reason why we know that term, right? Because it gets worse. The terrible twos become defiant fives, then the sarcastic sevens, and then the whiny nines, the testy tens, and then you got a teenager. And your little baby is no longer cooing, and cuddling, he's bucking, she's kicking, and they're running crazy. And trust me, at that point, loving your kids is going to be more of a challenge. So dad, when your kids reach their 10 years, they've now been around long enough for you to be disappointed, to be embarrassed sometimes, and A, uh, maybe mean things about your wife, and even lost a few of your tools. But (laughs) they're not as lovable maybe as they once were, but they don't need it nonetheless. And that's why I share this, guys. For you guys who have kids who are older, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Even you who have kids who've left the home, empty nesters. We always love our kids. 
See, as we've been studying Paul's letter to the Corinthians here, this church, you guys remember, they are full of a bunch of selfish, divisive, arrogant, worldly, argumentative, defiant people. Carnal Christians. So you could call these you know, believers spiritual adolescents. They questioned Paul's authority and thought they knew more than he did. And Paul could have written here, you ungrateful, inconsiderate, spoiled bunch of brats, right? And it probably would have been pretty fitting to the Corinthian church, but instead Paul remembers that he too is one who is leaning upon the grace of God. He also remembers that he's a recipient of the love of God that he really doesn't deserve. So Paul is likewise a beneficiary of God's patience and his forgiveness. So he calls them my beloved children. I love that, guys. My beloved kids. He warms them with love. Even teenagers, guys, are worth loving. As one parent put it, teenagers are like watermelons, hard and green on the outside, but soft and tasty on the inside. See, teenagers still are edible and digestible. You can have a relationship with one. It just takes a little more effort, doesn't it? So you've got to get past the rind and spit out a few seeds, but love will find the way, guys. And parents, always remember, love is like water, okay? Love always flows downward, doesn't it? Okay, our love for God is never as strong as how much he loves us, correct? And that's the same way for parents, guys. I don't love my parents as much as they love me. That's just the way it is. And likewise, my child's love for me will never eclipse my love for them. So don't expect it, and don't withhold love when you find out it's not being always reciprocated. Just keep loving them. If your relationship with your child is in a deep freeze, warm it up. Okay, show your love for them. The second duty of a dad is to warn his kid. So the point here that Paul's making to these Corinthians through these letters, uh, it was really a sound warning. The believers were being deceived and they were being led astray. And this is a father's job. It's tough, but it's necessary. Dads, at times your place is to be in your kid's face. There are times where you need to cultivate your friendship with your kids. But when we have to choose between being their dad and being their friend, you need to choose dad. They only have one of those. There's a lot of friends in life. Friends advise, they comfort, they sympathize. But dads, they put their foot down. They tell it as it is. They say no, and they mean it. They ruffle feathers, and at times there's going to be tension that is created, but a dad doesn't mind the heat. A father knows the importance of showing courage and exercising discipline in doing what is best for their kids in the long run. A father has to always remember, I'm not running for re-election. You're it. You're dad, Period. So men, your kids will have a lot of friends in their lifetime, but a friend isn't a father. 
Dad has to step up and lead. God hasn't called us to walk with our child side by side. You know, you've been around, you know God, you know his word. Father knows best, okay? You've been called to walk out in front to determine the course, to set the pace. So teenagers like to assert independence, which is a very good thing. That's just part of growing up, right? But a parent's job is to insist that privilege and responsibilities, those go hand in hand, okay? So you don't get privilege without taking responsibility. So if I know nothing else about child rearing, I know one thing, okay? Dad needs to win the battle. Bottom line. So kids need to know who is boss and that it's not them. Every child needs to know that dad is not afraid to take charge. You see, when God judged the high priest Eli, you guys remember the story back in Samuel there? Uh, through the prophet Samuel, we're told, I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. It was on dad. You see, Eli allowed his sons to go with this unchecked rebellion. Okay? Maybe he thought, hey, if I come down hard on these boys now, I'm going to lose them forever. But the opposite occurred. Because he didn't come down hard on them, he ended up losing them. So God had to judge them. And kids are extremely forgiving. They're willing to forget mistakes but the one thing they won't forgive is cowardice. You see, they will find that strength somewhere else. You'll never gain your kids' respect if you wimp out and you don't lead. Kids don't want to be bullied, but neither do they want to be left to themselves. They want parents who care enough to give them guidance. So the third duty now of a dad is to urge on his kids. That means... He warms them with his love. He warns them of the dangers around them, but he also wants for them, okay? What do we want for our kids, guys? Some kids are self-motivated, but most need some external motiva motivation. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, get up. <laughs> I know you're on summer break, but it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> you know? They need some motivation, Okay, so they need a gentle nudge at times. The Corinthians gave into temptation, okay, and we know that this church had a lot of compromise. So they were content with being these mediocre, carnal Christians. I'm okay with that. So they weren't content. Um, <clears throat> sorry, they lost what they wanted, their desire to grow spiritually. So we see here, and Paul had to want for them, right? Want it for them. So what does he do? Well, when forced with obstacles, human nature usually opts for the path of least resistance, doesn't it? We have to be taught that obstacles shouldn't always be bypassed. Some mountains need to be climbed. Some walls out there, guys, they need to be broken down. Okay? Often our desire determines destiny. So... A dad's job is to encourage and to motivate a child. And this is where my dad excelled, okay? He believed in his kids. That's one thing I really appreciated about him. He encouraged me and my brothers and my sister 
especially when it came to any sport that involved a ball, okay, uh, that we could do it. He taught us. He coached us. Uh, he would play catch with us anytime for however long we wanted. And to this day, he honestly thinks I could have been a professional ball player if I just applied myself to it. So whenever we played football, basketball, baseball, he was there, either coaching or in the seats watching, cheering us on. And even to this day, he's willing to dream, dream big with me, to encourage me in the Lord, to serve with me. Um, I love that, Dad. Thank you. And he's doing the same, too, even with my grandkids. Shaloma's playing softball. Grace was playing with her on Thursday night. It was awesome having them playing together. But anyway, Shalom's playing right now uh, for the first time. And my dad keeps saying she's a natural. She's a natural. He must have said that to me at least 100 times now. She's not. <laughs> I'm sorry, but she's not. But he keeps saying it. And it encourages me, okay? And because it encourages me, I'm thinking, well, maybe she is a natural. Maybe there is something there. And I'm finding myself encouraging her. I'm finding myself, let's go to the batting cages, baby. Let's go to the park and learn how to run the bases better. And maybe she is, which gets me going and wanting to encourage my kids. So I love that my dad, that he's always pulling for us, hoping for us, nudging us onward, always encouraging us to go farther, to do better. So in the course of a lifetime, okay, uh, your children, they're going to have many critics. Life isn't easy, guys, okay? Our kids are going to make mistakes. There's going to be critics out there. They need a dad to be their cheerleader. Successful dads dream for their kids, and in doing so, teach the kids how to realize their own dreams. Dad, they need you to want for them. While James Jordan was alive, his son Michael wanted his dad in the stands wherever he played basketball. One reporter asked Michael Jordan why he wanted his dad present for all the games that he played. And Michael replied, and I love this, when dad is there, I know I have at least one fan. amazing 25,000 fans in the stadium and it can't provide as much motivation and support as his own dad one man can nothing can substitute for a dad then the fourth duty of a dad is to walk and this is where we'll wrap it up this morning and that is to live a life as an example for our kids can say what's right the kids are watching the kids watch you so Paul was willing to be an example to the Corinthians you guys catch that in verse 16 I urge you imitate me can we say that to our kids imitate me his message was not like that of some fathers do what I say not what I do but Paul here was an example to the Corinthians. He showed them the way. So let me suggest every dad is an example to his kids, whether he wants to be or not. Priorities rub off. 
Priorities are important. We teach our kids a lot by what we do and don't do. So dad, your kids will pick up your habits, your attitudes, your priorities, whether you want them to or not. So every dad needs to ask, what am I teaching my kids? So don't expect your kids to embrace values to which you only pay lip service. We need to show them our direction and what really matters. Um, here's a poem I want to share with you guys. It's called A Better Way. It was written by Edgar Gust. Um, but it, could have, it really could have been written by uh, your child. This is how it goes. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely show the way. The eyes of bitter pupil and more willing than an ear find counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. The best of all, the preachers are the men who live their creeds, for to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you in the good advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. Pretty good, isn't it? I'll post it later today. You see, all dads need to understand that kids are attracted to active faith. Can I say that again? They are attractive to active faith. Are you living out what you believe? Okay? Not a passive faith. So dad, let me repeat it once more, one more time, just in case it hasn't clicked. <laughs> Nobody can do for your child what a dad can do. Sure, you fall short. Sure, at times you slip up. But even with your faults, your kids need you. Just being there, being present, vitally important. So let me wrap up this sermon here with a funny story. Okay, um, This is an incident that happened East Hampton, New York. There was an 11-year-old girl who screamed, Daddy, Daddy, please don't sing. Please don't sing. What's ironic is the little girl's dad is none other than the famous singer, Billy Joel. <laughs> Millions of music fans are willing to pay some big bucks to go and hear Billy Joel sing, but not his daughter, at least when she was 11 years old. So here's some great encouragement for you dads. If Billy Joel's daughter doesn't appreciate her father's singing, don't be surprised, dad, when your kids aren't grateful for your fathering. Trust me, one day they're going to see things differently. They'll thank you for all that you did. So keep warming them with your love. Keep warning them with truth, with wisdom, 
keep wanting for them all that God desires and keep walking before them as a godly example. For if you do this, guys, your kids will call you hero. Let's pray. God, we are thankful. We're thankful for your example. We thank you that you are the truth. <laughs> you are the wisdom we need. All things that pertain to this life, they really are found in you, Jesus. That's why we look to you. That's why we trust in you. That's why, as we read here in Corinthians, what Paul says to this church so resonates because it comes around who you are in your heart for your kids. And we are so thankful how you love us the church, God, how you are there for us, God, how you love us, how you demonstrated that love, God, that you're willing to speak hard things that sometimes offend, but you love us enough to tell us the truth. God, we thank you for the hope and the future that you have for us, God, and we thank you as you call us to be holy as you are holy the example that you are. And you are that example we choose to follow, we want to follow, whether a dad or a mom or a kid. <laughs> we want to be more like you, Jesus. So we pray, Father, that you keep us teachable and moldable, Father, that you'd be giving us wisdom, especially for these dads. Lord, we just thank you again for them. And we do pray, Lord, all that they need and being fathers, God, that you'd give to them abundantly. And would you, in your grace, help them learn well of you as they live and learn of you and from you, and as they walk with you and do life with you, God. May we learn well from your example that we too could be a brother like Paul <laughs> who says, follow me as I follow Christ. So please do that work in our lives. Help us as a church family to encourage each other to keep going for it, to keep our eyes on the prize. Thank you so much, Jesus, for all that you've done. We thank you for this Dad's Day. I pray you'd bless all dads well. I do pray, Lord, that you would please have your way, your will, because we know that, Father, you know best. God, we're in your hands. Thank you that you got good in view. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen? Amen.